Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. How we doing? We good? I came out a little early, so I was just going to stand there for a minute. It was fine. Everybody was good with that. I had to get some stuff together. It was fine. Uh, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad it finally feels like fall just in time to get to winter. I mean, it was like 75 yesterday, and well, not quite 75, but it was, it was warmer, you know, two days ago. I've been dressing like fall for six weeks, and so I'm thankful that, uh, you know, I can, uh, I can wear this stuff. So uh, I'm glad you're here today. A lot of great things you just heard. Uh, we've got salsa with the staff. I, that's, I don't know why he said one, two, or six times. That's way too few. We go a lot. Um, I love it so much, but we would love for you after this service, even if you didn't register, just to come hang out with us for a few minutes upstairs. If you go to the information center, they can direct you or you can go upstairs. You'll see a sign there in the lobby upstairs in our kids area. Uh, there is a room that we've designated just for today. Uh, if you're relatively new to the church or if you're like, hey, I've been here for a little while, but I'm still trying to figure it out and I'd love to meet some of the staff, kind of hear some of the next steps. It's not a sales like timeshare thing, I promise you. Uh, we would love just to hang out with you for a few. That was way f- I, I didn't realize that was going to be that funny. I'm definitely using that at 11. I am definitely, I'm going to put that in my notes. I'm going to say that. But uh, we'd love for you just to come spend a few minutes with us. I promise we'll get you out because we've got another service, but we would love for you just to spend a few minutes with us. Uh, and, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll enjoy that time together. And then next Sunday is baptism. And so if you have recently made a first-time decision to follow Jesus Christ over these last few weeks or months, if you've made what we would call a recommitment to Christ, and you've never been baptized, or maybe you've never, you haven't been baptized in a long time, and you just want to go public with this new work that God's done in your heart and life, uh, we'd love for you to go register online, g.church. Let us know that you're going to be baptized so that we can kind of make preparations for that and let us celebrate with you next week uh, for Baptism Sunday. And then today, I'm going to hit this real quick and then we'll get out of the way. Today, we are giving every couple in our church a copy of the new book that Corey and I wrote called Your Marriage Matters. So uh, I said a few weeks ago, and we were talking about this, it released several weeks ago on Amazon, uh, and, and you could get a copy there, but I told you that we wanted to gift this to you uh, because this was written out of this house. It, it, this was kind of our, our heart, and together, those that have been on this journey for a little while, we've journeyed together through so much of this content, and so we want to give a copy to every couple in our church. So all you got to do is go to the table there in the lobby and pick up a copy. You just tell them that you want to copy the book. They'll give that to you. If you want to buy extra copies, you're welcome to do that at the table as well, uh, but we'd love to give this to you. We're so excited about this book and already the feedback that we've received uh, but we are thankful for you, and we believe in marriages, and we believe in family, and so we want to just give this to you. Hopefully, it'll be a blessing to you, but maybe you can also let it be a blessing to other people uh, as well that you think may can use that. And, and speaking of family, I'm going to just brag as a dad real quick. Uh, our son Cooper committed to play baseball this week at Lee University. Yeah. He'll be super embarrassed that I did that, but that's okay. I'm wearing the microphone. So... Uh, he's gonna, he's a senior at Cherokee this year. And so next year he'll go to Lee university. They're a a division two school to play baseball. And so we're excited about that. And let me just thank you for pastor appreciation last week. Uh, so many of you gave financially and and gave gifts and the church was able to take your funds and and to give us some gifts just to say, uh, I just want to say on behalf of our family, thank you for that. But also those that wrote cards, we read every word of every one of those cards and just so thankful for you. We love this place, and, uh, and we're just thankful for what God is doing here. I'm thankful that we get to be a part of this with you. So last week, we started a brand new series called Legacy, and we kind of took the 50,000-foot level. We said, you know, it's not, am I going to leave a legacy? It's what legacy am I going to leave? 
Because we believe that all of us are living our lives, and then the way that we live our lives is actually going to continue on uh, to, to our kids and our grandkids, and they're going to take what we've done, and they're going to build upon it, and so the good and the bad. And what we said is that we have a responsibility to live today as if tomorrow matters, to, to live today as if it matters for our kids and our grandkids. And so we asked a lot of different questions, but ultimately what we landed with is that we have to uh, live a legacy if we want to leave a legacy. And so I think for all of us, that's a, that's a great challenge. And, and it does matter, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, you have the potential today to live in such a way that your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids and future generations can see the love of God at work in your, your life that can extend to them. But you also have to deal with some stuff so that you don't leave some mess for the next generations. And so we got to live a legacy in order to leave a legacy. But what we did do is we stayed at like the 50,000 foot level. Like we were just kind of philosophically what we think is that we are going to all leave a legacy. So today I want to dig a little deeper and I want to kind of zoom in a little bit and talk about this idea of how do we leave a legacy? Like what are those things that we can do? What are those things that we do as we live that actually make a difference in in the way that those who come after us potentially can live as well. They have to make their own decisions. Just because you follow Christ doesn't necessarily mean your kids will, but it does leave an impression upon them. Just because you've struggled with these things doesn't necessarily mean that they will, but it definitely impacts them. And we talked about those consequences extending to the third and fourth generation, perhaps. And so what does it look like for us to actually leave a legacy? If you got a Bible, I'd love for you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. I actually referenced this last week and even the week before in anticipation of our time Together, I was already kind of reading through this, but I'm going a different direction than I thought I was going to go today. But Hebrews chapter 11, this is what we read beginning in verse 8. It says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as in his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Verse 17, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Now, perhaps you know that Hebrews chapter 11 is often referred to as the hall of faith. There's so many incredible stories that are here of men and women of God who trusted God and through faithful obedience to God in, in some miraculous types of ways, they saw God do amazing things in and through their lives. But often, and I'm guilty of this, maybe you're not guilty of this, but often when I read these stories, I dehumanize these people almost. I, I make it seem like they don't have anything in common with me, and they never struggled with fear or apprehension about trusting God in such a way, or they never had doubt or self-doubt and the fact that God could do what God was asking them to do if they were just obedient. And so sometimes when I read these, these incredible stories, I, I dehumanize them a little bit. I kind of take out their humanity, and I don't fully recognize all that they may have experienced that's similar to what I've experienced. And so when I read these stories, I have to really focus in and go, okay, well, well, what might they have experienced that I, I'm also experiencing? And so it's always important that as you read like a Hebrews 11, where there's a summary of these stories, that then you go back and read the whole story. Like you go back and you look at those things that they actually did and they actually trusted God for and they actually believed God for 
so that you can see how they really wrestled with that. Even Abraham, who we're talking about today, I mean, he, he had some missteps along the way where he, he trusted God, but he also doubted a little bit, and he tried to do it on his own and not just fully believe that God could do it completely through his obedience. And so there were times that Abraham, in his humanity, he tried to figure those things out on his own. And so as I read through these stories, I recognize that the summaries of like a Hebrews 11, they don't really capture all that might be there in the days, weeks, months, and even years of living through faith and fear and uncertainty and anxiousness and ultimately their obedience. And so today what I want to do is I want to use this story to talk about how do we leave a legacy. What is it that if we were going we to be included in a Hebrews 11 If our lives were going to be summarized into a chapter of scripture about the great faith that we had, what is it that God might say about us? And how can we learn from a story like this? I want to to jump back to the text. The first thought comes from verse 8. It said, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, which we talked about last week, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Here's the first thought of how you leave a legacy. You obey and you go. You obey and you go. When called to go, even though he didn't know where he was going, he went. Now, this is not like he started out and he had the end in mind and he had the destination kind of plugged into the GPS and he got lost. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I love to use the GPS, whatever it is, Apple Maps, Google Maps. I love to use that on my phone until I don't believe that it's right. Because I'll plug it in and it'll be like, you're going to go two miles and then you're going to turn right. And I'm like, turn right? No, that's like the longest way. I'm going to stay straight and that's going to get me there faster. And about a quarter mile after that turn, I run into traffic that I could have avoided if I would have listened. I'm sure I'm the only one. But I plug that in and I trust it until I don't. And so this is different than that. This is not plugging in the destination and you know where you're going. And then when you kind of think that you've got it figured out, then you go a different way and you get lost. This is different than that. This is God saying to Abraham, hey, it's time to go. And Abraham says, okay, where are we going? God says, I'm going to tell you when we get there. And Abraham says, okay, but could you give me any more clarity? Because I got to go sell this to my wife. (laughs) And so he goes and he says to Sarah, hey, we're going to, we're going to leave. And she's like, okay, where are we headed? Well, interestingly, God's going to tell us when we get there. And so she says, let's go. Now, that's totally different than getting lost. This is trusting God, obeying, and going even when you don't know where you're going, right? Ten years ago, for our anniversary, which is coming up in just a few weeks, for our anniversary, I decided to surprise Corey. So we got up that morning, and I said, hey, we're going to celebrate our anniversary today, um, just get dressed and get in the car and, and we'll get there. And she was like, okay, well, where are we going? I'm like, it's okay. I'll tell you when we get there. It's fine. And so we get in the car and we leave our house and we drive south from our house and she has no idea. So she thinks, okay, we're probably going to Atlanta or we're going to go you know, somewhere. Okay, I got it. We're going to head out. Got it. And so we keep driving. We drive through the city of Atlanta and she's thinking, okay, well, are we going to like a cabin like in the middle of Georgia, South Georgia? Are we going to Florida? Maybe we're going to Florida. I don't, you know, and so she's trying to think, where are we going? Where are we? And then I get off the interstate and pull up to the airport. And she's like, okay, well, I didn't pack a bag. And I'm like, yes, you did. It's in the trunk. I've got it. Now, some of you wives, you're like, okay, this would not happen. I don't trust. And I'm sure those same thoughts were going through Corey's mind. 
We get out of the car, we park the car, we go into the airport. She still has no idea. Now she knows we're flying somewhere, but she doesn't know where we're going. We actually weren't flying. We were just eating in the car. No, I'm just kidding. So we were, <laughs> we were, so we get into the airport. We take my bag, her bag. We go through security. She still has no idea. I've got the tickets, but I'm not showing her. We go through security. We get all the way to the gate, and there was no way for me to keep it from her. So we get to the gate, and it's right there on the television screen, and it says we're going to Kansas City. And she's like, What's in Kansas City? And I'm like, you'll have to find out when we get there. We get on the plane. We, we, we fly to Kansas City. We get off the airplane. She has no idea why we're there. We get in a car. We, we, I tell that guy, hey, here's where I want to go. I showed him where we want to go. I didn't want to tell her. We get all the way to the best buffet in the Midwest. <laughs> now you're thinking, you're husband of the year. I know. I know. My wife loves a good buffet, and I knew that. So there's a great one in Kansas. So we went to that buffet, and we ate. We got done eating. She's like, why are we here? I'm like, the buffet. Well, we're flying home. No, I'm just kidding. So we, you know, drive to the hotel. We drop all of our bags there, and we get ready for dinner a little later that evening. She still has no idea. We go to a restaurant. We eat for our anniversary. They've got a little nice little thing there on the table for our anniversary. And we get done, and we come out of the restaurant, and we're not going to get back in a car. We walk two blocks around the corner, and we walk into a theater, and it's her favorite show that's off-Broadway there in Kansas City. And so we go, and she was like, this is amazing. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. I know. Now, here's, here's what that required. On my part, just some planning. On her part, a great level of trust, right? Some of you would have backed out at any point along that journey. Like I, I, I saw a funny video this week. It says, listen, I'm fine to go with the flow. But could you just tell me like when the flow starts, you know? Like what's the scheduled start time for that? I mean, it requires a great level of trust. Now, in no way would I superimpose myself in this story as playing God in your life. But for some of us, that's what God is asking of us. Just get in the car. Just get on the plane. Just trust that I got the bags packed for what you're going to need when we get there. Just, just walk out of the building and trust that I've got a plan when we get to the restaurant. Just trust that there's something in my... Some of us struggle to trust God unless we know the destination before we start. How much faith does that actually take? How much faith does it actually take to do something when we have all the details worked out before we take the first step? If you read these stories of the Old Testament, the children of Israel, these Hebrew people that I love so much as I read these stories, I mean, there were a number of times that God asked them to move first before the miracle showed up. He said, tell the priest to put their feet down in the water, and then the water rolled back. Some of us are like, hey, the enemy's chasing, and I'm trying to move towards the promises of God, move in that direction. If you'll roll the waters back, I'll walk across, and God's like, no, 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 no. I want you to step into the water, and then you'll see the miraculous. You, you got to take a step before it happens. It's like God saying, hey, I'm going to give you the city of Jericho. It's yours. But before you can take it, you got to walk around it seven days in a row. And you got to walk around in ways that don't really make sense to you. But if you'll trust me and just keep moving and keep walking, the city is yours. But you got to move first before the miracle shows up sometimes. Jesus did the miraculous. He told that man that he said, listen, if you will go and dip yourself seven times, you'll be made whole. But the first six times... Nothing's happening. You just got to keep trusting God that even though it didn't happen on your timeline in the way that you would have written the story, that if I will move first, God will show up because he's asked me to go. I've got to go sometimes when I don't really know where the destination 
is legacies are built one obedient step at a time. That's how legacies are built. That's how you leave something to your children and your children's children that will last. Let's look at the second one, verse 17 and 18. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Here's the second one. You've got to obey and give. You've got to obey and give. It's easy to look back on this story now and know how it turns out and take out the, the uncertainty of what they had to feel. Because remember that God had promised Abraham, you're going to have as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. You're going to have as many descendants as there is sand on the seashore. But when Abraham gets to like his 90th birthday and then 95th, like he's looking around and he's like, I got no stars. I got no sand. I've got no descendants. I have no sons. I have no heirs. Like, how is the promise of God going to come to pass? And then you see the miraculous take place. And, and Abraham receives this incredible child through Sarah. And he had tried to get in a hurry so we could deal with that another Sunday. He tried to kind of figure it out on his own. But in this moment, we see the miraculous of God. And Isaac is born. And Isaac is given to Abraham and Sarah at an old age. And then God does the unthinkable. He says, okay, now, hey, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your son. He's, he's grown a little bit. Now, I want you to take your son, and I want you to sacrifice him at the top of the mountain. How much sense does that make? How much do you have to trust God that he's going to keep his word, that Isaac, who is the promised child and the first in a long line, innumerable, immeasurable plans and, and gifts and and purposes of, like, how does it make any sense to get rid of that promise? And so what I do, I won't indict you, what I do is I hold tightly to the promise. I hold tightly, no, 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 God, I, I misheard you. There's no way you've asked me to sacrifice that which you've already given to me. I'm going to hold on to what I have. Because what I have is better than what I don't have. And I don't know that if I sacrifice this, if you can exceed this, if you can replace this. So I'm going to hold tightly to what I have. I'm not going to sacrifice. I'm not going to give what you've asked me to give up. But that's not what we see here in Abraham's story. Abraham takes the servants. He takes Isaac. They go walking towards the mountain one day. They get to the place where they can see the, the place of sacrifice. And Abraham makes this incredible declaration to the servants. He says, the boy and I will go. And we will come back. So one of two things was true in his mind. And we read about it here in Hebrews 11. He knew that he was going to get up there and God was going to provide another sacrifice. And he wouldn't have to sacrifice Isaac. Or he was going to get up there, sacrifice Isaac, and God was going to raise him from the dead so he could come back with him. Like he was clinging to the promises of God. And he recognized that sacrifice in the hands of God is not loss. Sacrifice in the hands of God is obedience. And God always honors obedience. And so Abraham's faith was enough to believe that God was going to do something, even if he couldn't figure out the plans, even if he wasn't sure how it was going to take place, he trusted God. What if God giving you what you don't have requires you to give what you do have? That's a challenge for me. That, that's, a, that's a hard thing for me to believe and to cling to and to hold to and to trust God for. But it's not about your stuff. It's not about my stuff. God owns it all. It is all God's anyway. And so if I really believe that and I really trust that, then I have to believe that God 
is going to keep his word. It's a place of trust. It's a place of obedience. To obey and to give. To obey and to sacrifice. It's one of the reasons that I love our church. I've said for several weeks in a row, you're a generous people. You're a generous place. And so I'm thankful for that. On a regular basis, you give. You give faithfully. And I'm so thankful, especially in some of the economic times that we live in now. I recognize there's a strain on so many households and families and finances, and yet you continue to give so faithfully. Many of you, you give over and above the tithe. We believe in the tithe. I practice the tithe. Corey and I do. We give uh, uh, 10% of what God entrusts into our hands. We believe that to be a principle from the Old Testament, the New Testament. We see it written in Genesis. We see Jesus talking about it. We see it in Malachi. We see Peter and Paul referencing it in various ways. Like we, we believe in it. We believe it's a scriptural principle. And so, so many of you practice that. And then over and above the tithe, you give what we call legacy maker gifts. And in just a few weeks, we have our annual legacy offering. It's on December the 11th. This is a place every year where we kind of join together to give over and above our tithe for specific purposes for that year. And we've done great things over the last several years in different ways. A couple of the specific things that we're going to do this year is we're going to help complete some construction on a Bible school in the Philippines. We're going to increase some of our giving towards our missions partners and ministry partners for some of the special projects that they have in this coming year. We're going to once again do what we did last year. We're going to help translate the Bible, translate Scripture into a language that doesn't yet have the Bible. And so when we give together, we're going to help make that possible. And then one of the other things that we're going to do is we're going to take some of the funds that are given and we're going to help kind of finish what we planned over the last few years to purchase this entire building. Some of you know that plan. You've heard us talk about it. Some of you, maybe this is the first time you've heard us talk about it. We currently rent this space, this space and the upstairs space from a really great landlord, great uh, great organization. They, they've been great to us over the years. We moved into this space in 2016. We actually moved upstairs in 2016. Moved into a lease space, moved out of a high school we had been in for four years, setting it up, tearing it down, portable church. So we moved upstairs. The Lord blessed. We grew. We expanded. We expanded again. This space became open. The landlord said to us, hey, do you want to take this space? It used to be a Sears. You could buy a fridge about right there. And we were like, you know what, we really do want the space, but we don't want the space. It doesn't make any sense for us to rent the space and eventually have to do something more permanent. And so we're only interested in renting this space if we can buy the whole building. He said, we don't sell buildings. We rent buildings. I said, well, we're not renting the space. I don't know what we're going to do, but we cannot rent the space. It doesn't make sense for us financially. We've got to be good stewards of what God's given to us. So a few days later, he called back and he says, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll sell you the building, but we're going to settle on a fixed price right now. We didn't realize what a blessing that would be. In those moments, but we settled on a fixed price back at the end of 2019. Then COVID hit. The hand of God was upon that process. COVID hit. We were in construction. We had to stay closed longer than we had intended till we could get our temporary CO to get into this space to worship together in person. And so the Lord has blessed over the last few years. And so in the spring of 2023, at the expiration of our current lease, we are planning to purchase this entire building, 36,000 square feet. And all of the renters that are a part of that, and for the foreseeable future, they will continue to rent those spaces and provide income. And so our plan is to do that. And so to do that, we've got to position ourselves financially, continue to do so to make that happen. And so a portion of our legacy offering this year is going to be the expansion of our ministry through the acquisition of this facility. And let me just say to you that doing this, we have even a trustee meeting tonight. Our trustees have been so incredible over the last few years to continue to steward the resources of our church. But doing that 
buying this building, this probably makes no sense. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Buying the building is going to allow us to put so much more money back into ministry because our mortgage payment is going to be substantially less than our rent payment. Even with the current rates, like it, it's, it's amazing what we'll be able to put back into ministry. So this legacy offering, a portion of that will help to position us to make that a reality and to really just transition so much of the money that we've had in fixed costs back into ministry costs. And so I want you to be in prayer. I want you to be thinking about what God might have you to give on December the 11th. And here's what you need to know. When Abraham got to the top of the mountain, he was preparing for sacrifice. He, he, he put all the supplies there and it was time to lay Isaac on the altar. And he was beginning to prepare to be obedient, even in a way that did not make sense to him. And God stopped him just short of that sacrifice and said, hey, there's another sacrifice coming. The ram's caught over here in the thicket. I just wanted to make sure there was nothing more important in your heart than me. I believe with all of my heart, I think scripture backs this up, that the amount and the specific sacrifice is not as important as the yes. It doesn't matter the what, but if God asks for obedience, the only question is yes or no. That's the only thing God's looking for. And so if we want to leave a legacy to our children and our children's children, legacies are built one act of generosity at a time. To say, I'm not going to hold tightly to what I have. I'm going to try to find ways to obediently, sacrificially give back to God through the hands of God to the places that God is asking me to be obedient. Let's look at this third one. Verse 12 says this, And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. The third way that you leave a legacy is you obey and grow. You obey and go. You obey and give. You obey and grow. God kept his word to Abraham. I'm going to just say that one more time. Some of you need to hear that. God kept his word to Abraham. Descendants as numerous as the stars and countless as the sand on the shore. But Abraham didn't get to see that. Legacies are not fully realized in your lifetime. Legacies aren't fully realized in my life. I, I won't get to see all that God will do in my lifetime. That's not a legacy. That's my lifetime. And so what I have to do is I have to trust God that if God kept his word to Abraham, God will keep his word to you. That God will keep his word to me. That whatever God has promised, it's as good as yes and amen. That's what God's promises are. They are sure. And so at his death, he could count the promise, but he had to count it in progress. And so he had to be able to look out and see, okay, the family's growing a little bit. And perhaps God is going to continue to complete this plan and the legacy that he promised to me and the descendants and the stars in the sky and the sands on the shore. Like, yeah, I, I trust and believe that God is going to keep his word. So I have to, you have to trust. That's the growth piece. When I obey, I have to grow my trust in God to believe that what I can't see with my eyes will come to pass by faith. 
that my obedience, while God doesn't owe me anything for it, in response to my obedience, God will continue to keep his word because that's who he is. It's not what he does, it's who he is. He can't go back on his promises. He can't go back on his word. To do so would be against his character and his nature. You and I are sinful, deceitful people. And so sometimes we go back on our word, but God does not do that. And so if God has made a promise, if God has declared something about you and to you, he will keep his promises about you and to you. And so we cling to those things. We don't cling to what we possess. We don't cling to what we can hold. We don't cling to what we can see. We cling by faith and hope to a God who will keep his word. That's what legacy is all about. I heard this story a number of years ago in a completely different context, but I think it fits for where we're landing today. If you were driving your car, you're driving down the road and you pass a gas station, And you see a young man out there pumping gas, and he's in a tuxedo. You might think to yourself, wow, he is overdressed for pumping gas. And you would be right. He is. But what we wouldn't realize is that he's actually on his way to the prom. And when he gets to the prom, he's dressed appropriately for there. We just saw him in progress. We just saw him at a midpoint in the journey. But when he gets there, it'll all make sense. Some of us today are worried. We're concerned. We struggle sometimes with insecurity because we feel overdressed for where we are. We feel like our faith doesn't make a whole lot of sense to those that look at us and those that see us. And and we're not really sure because we're the only one in our family that's kind of put a stake in the ground and said, it's for me and my house. Like, we're going to serve the Lord. I know that's not your story. I know that's not your, we're not going to do those things. Yeah, we could, but like, we're going to be about something different. I'm writing a story for my kids and my grandkids. And so like, I could go those places. I could do those things, but I'm not going to do it because like, you only see me where I'm at and I might seem overdressed. I might seem out of place, but this is not my final destination. I'm actually headed somewhere else. And just because it doesn't make sense to you now, like, this is the decision that I've made. And some of us today, it's just about obedience, obeying, to say yes to God when he says go. And you say where? And he says, you'll know when you get there. And you say, okay, here we go. To sacrificially give back to God what doesn't make sense in our minds. To say, God, you've entrusted this to me. This seemed like a part of the promise. It seemed like a part of the plan. And I don't know how you're going to work it out. But if you say to give it, I will not hold on to it. Because what I don't have yet that's still in your hands is better than what I can cling to now. And so, God, I give it sacrificially back to you and trust that you can do more with it. And I'm going to obey and grow my faith and trust that even though I don't get to see legacy fully, Now, that God will keep his word, that God will hold to his promises for my life and for my children and my children's children and those who come after me in the Lord. We just have to keep obeying God. Legacies are built one obedient act at a time. One act at a time. Living today as if tomorrow matters believing that your children and your grandchildren will be thankful to God for the decisions that you made today. You may seem overdressed right now. It may not make sense to everybody around you, but if they could see your future, 
If they could see your descendants. If they could see the story that's going to be written over the next 50, 100, 150 years, then it would make more sense to them. But they don't have the same sense of faith and trust that God's going to keep his word that you do. And so today we just commit ourselves to say, God, I trust you and I believe that you will keep your promises to me. So here's what I want you to do just for a moment. I want you to bow your head. Close your eyes. Before we pray, I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to jump right into prayer. Before we pray, I just want you to take a second and ask God this question. God, what are you asking me to be obedient in? Where's that one place, that one thing that you're asking me for obedience? What's the go that you're asking of me that I've yet to set out on the journey yet because I don't have the destiny, I don't have the plan, I don't have it all mapped out. So God, grow my faith. Let me be obedient and go. God, what is it you're asking me to give? Where are you asking me to sacrifice? And I'm clinging tightly to what I hold in my hand, but what is it that you're asking me to give? Maybe it's financial, maybe it's not, but like, what is it you're asking me to give, to give up, to give to you? God, I want to be obedient, so help me to be obedient today and give. And God, where are you asking me to grow? What is it you need me to grow my trust and my faith and my hope and belief in you? Believing that you will keep your promises. One obedient act at a time. What is God asking of you today? If you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I believe it's salvation. It's trusting him with my life, trusting him with my eternity. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? I want to pray for you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Several hands today. Now, if you would say, Jeremy, for me, beyond salvation, there's just some obedience things I've got to do. I got to go. I got to give. I got to grow in some areas. And I just, there's some obedience that God's asking of me right now. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Nobody's looking around. Tons of hands today. Tons of us today. God, I thank you for every person in this room, every person watching online, every person that may listen back or watch back at some point in the next few days and weeks. I believe your word cuts into our hearts and our lives. It's a challenge to me, even as you've redirected this message several times this week. Lord, I thank you for your word. And God, I pray now for those who lifted their hands to acknowledge their need for you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. God, I thank you that they walked in this morning, maybe not even fully knowing that today would be the day that changed their eternity. And so God, I pray right now for a sense of confidence that comes from you, a sense of peace and assuredness that comes from you, that you have forgiven their sins, you are their savior, and that, Lord, as they trust you, that you are the Lord of their life. Help them to walk that out. Let us help them take those steps together by faith. And God, now I pray for every hand that was lifted, for those who need obedience. They need to take a step. They need to trust you more. And so, God, I pray right now, whatever that step is, whatever they're trusting you for, whatever they're asking you to help them to do, that, God, they would be able to do it with confidence and conviction that you will keep your promises to them. And, God, we cannot wait to see as you continue to build legacy through the families, the people of Generations Church, as they make decisions to follow you with their whole heart for generations to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. 
Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.